0: This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,597, recorded October 27th, 2000. I know many of you, if you don't like it, the way I talk when I sit down, there's a thing that I have mentioned that I did not particularly emphasize, at least to the degree that I thought that I personally found it to be deserving thereof and that was my description recently a new one to you of what being asleep is in one sense from one quite real view I wish to hell that I had realized that or that someone had told me described it that way thirty years ago I don't know about you but again I. Of late, I keep trying to tell you as much as possible. In fact, that's all I try to tell you is just what I found to be useful. Years and years and years ago, before some of you even had met me, I couldn't help it, but a lot of what I was talking about was theoretical models that I was searching for the practical way to do things. My description... Of what being asleep is. I hesitate a long time to even bring it up to talk to anybody, because for a long time it struck me sort of that something was wrong, that I thought, well, this is too obvious. Why has no one seen this before? I'm exaggerating a little, but I'm doing it for a point. And I thought, well, I'm missing something. There's some flaw in this. Or I was just astounded that I had never seen it noted by anyone from the most ancient mystical writings to the most contemporaneous psychological investigators. This particular state of mind, even if the like in the psycho- psychological realm, they would not be using terms like being asleep. Uh. But I would have thought was somebody, just on the basis of them trying to figure out what consciousness is, that someone would have noticed in themselves. I don't know how you would ever investigate it. I don't know how it would ever come out that someone else could tell you that that was the state they were in. But people observe other people in that state. People observe when someone is so distracted that they're almost a danger to themselves, which to me... I assume all of you, that's an exaggerated state of being asleep. But the state I'm talking about, so I can get around, let me go ahead and make the point since you don't know what I was going to talk about, but it's when taking the model, and to me it's more than a model, it's a working model, but that consciousness consists of two things, that there is a voice that speaks from the brain as a conscious, a talking part of consciousness, and there's a listening part of consciousness. And it's these two going on that causes us ordinarily, ordinary people, to say, well, I think so-and-so. Because they don't think so-and-so. Nobody decides to think something. And psychology never gets around to that point. But you never have decided, well, I'm going to... Not in general. You don't decide, well, let's see, I've got a couple of hours before I'm going to think stuff. Not only that, but you do not decide what you're going to think next, what the next thought will be. Consciousness, no matter what it's called, being conscious, being a conscious human being, having conscious thought, but generally it's called being conscious in the Western world, consists of two things. Not one thing, consciousness is not, they call it a state of consciousness, but consciousness consists of two things. That's a talking part and a listening part. And being asleep is when your listening part, for all intents and purposes, is totally occupied with listening to the talking part. And that's what I mean tonight. And I was talking about some other things, but I wanted you to know the model of on which I was, or to which I'm referring. I could not believe that no mystic anywhere had ever pointed that out. Out of everything I know, and everything that. Of course, all would-be mystics have written a lot more than they knew anyway. So you don't have any shortage. As I assume you all know, there's no shortage of literature. But not one person. And they've all been describing the state. Not everyone's used the term being asleep. That's just been the most common throughout the world the last few thousand years, that that's the most common, is that man is not fully awake. He's not fully conscious most of the time. That is, not as conscious as he could be that some people discovered on their own. Not all who talk about it, but a few people did, and then we have lots of imitators. Well, I shouldn't just leave it at that. Lots of people that never achieve it, but as soon as you read it, that's what I mean by being wired up for it or to have a natural affinity, there are many people as soon as they read about, it, it just immediately hits them, yeah. I always say my archetypical example, I'm not sure it was true of you, but as soon as I read about it, and I know it's a fact for some other people But just as soon as I read about it, nobody was there. I got it out of a book. Just I read it, and the time was just right, and there was no question about it. I didn't need somebody. I didn't have to find the author. I didn't have to go look up an astrologer. I didn't have to go find anybody to say, hey, read this and tell me if this is true. I just read it, and it was true. That's what I've been looking for. There it is. At least there's the beginning. I never knew what I was up to, but this is it. I'm one of the ones that realizes they're asleep. And for many, 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 many years, it worked out, which I assume it does their one. I didn't really know what being asleep was. I just knew that I didn't like the state I was in. And so I called it being asleep. And I would have fought somebody, speaking figuratively. Somebody said, ah, there's no such thing as being asleep. I would have said, well, you ignorant son of a bitch. Look at me. Don't say there's there's no such thing as being asleep. Look at me. Look at my face. Come around and watch me. Get in my head. I have never found any description even close than anybody even tried. They would describe the symptoms. You can find plenty of that, but who needs a description of the symptoms, really? I mean, you read it, and all it does is make you feel more comfortable, like, yep, 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 yep. That's me. But just reading symptoms, it's like going to the doctor and say, I don't feel good. And he goes, well, uh, let's see. Did your head hurt sometimes? You go, yeah. Well, sometimes, does your stomach hurt? Oh, yeah. Do you understand all these yells and all of his questions? Then the sentence, the voice lifts up. That is, it's not conclusive. Well, sometimes, does your head hurt? Yeah. Well, sometimes, does your muscles ache? Yeah. You can go on and on forever. Sometimes, do you not feel like yourself? Yeah. I've always liked that one. Because <laughs> I always... <laughs> Always oh, waiting for some doctor to say, Well, stay there. <laughs> or at least I missed it. <laughs> well, hold it. Everyone has been comfortable for thousands of years, and they still are all over the world. As I said, just the most commonly used term is being asleep. And not one person I know of has ever described or seen it like I'm describing. And it would have been of great help to me. It was just, as I said, staggering. I hesitated. You know, thinking, well, I must be missing something. There must be something more to it, or I must have it sort of uh, off kilter. Because if somebody else would have seen this, I must be seeing what other people's already described, and I'm just seeing it uh, in a distorted way. Now, I don't know whether I... Felt that way for two seconds or two months. I'll leave it to you. But it really amazed me. Really made me curious that no one had seen it that way. And I can't believe that if you see it for yourself, you can't just take my model, I don't guess, but I challenge you to take it and not only see, I'm sure you'll see immediately that it fits. But then see if there's something left out. See if there's like a trying to come up with a formula coming up on the equation to explain some physical phenomenon you know physics are trying to explain the workings of some some area of subatomic activity that seems to be strange and they keep working with equations and maybe one will explain a lot and then somebody will come along and look at it and go yeah but look over here there's one there's one tail end of that old equation where we started that you didn't cover You know, there's something left out. What you did, the theory you just came up with, by God, almost explains everything. But, you know, there's like 5% here you left out. And the guy goes, yeah, you're right. I challenge you, find in your own head what I'm leaving out. What is being asleep other than the talking part of your consciousness has, as they used to say, figuratively speaking, has the complete ear of your hearing part? That's what being asleep is. And it's it's also a picture beyond that, a little more subtle, uh, that I would think that people would find helpful also is because it would give a clearer picture of the graduations between, like, you know, when you're fully asleep, I guess everybody's got your own example, but like you're extremely mad really get angered to such a point. Like, you know, somebody gets you, makes you mad in a store and you go so asleep that you got and you pull your car out of the parking lot and you bump into people. You may even bump into a car and just be vaguely aware of it. You're just in a rage. And it could not work the other way that you could be so fearful or so sad. But everyone, I assume, knows what that is. It is like what your consciousness is down to just a pinhead. That you're focused on this one thing. It may be playing in your head just a sentence that you got in some argument trying to <clears throat> return something to the store, and it went on and on and finally the person that behind the counter says something like, Well, sir or madam, you know, you can stand there until you shit in your pants, but you're never gonna get your money back from me, you ignorant <laughs> son of a bitch. So your consciousness is down to just a replay, just over and over of that sentence. To say that you're conscious, well, you must know what it is. You can drive home, and maybe after you calm down later, you just barely remember driving home. Well, the truth is, I'd be surprised if some of you haven't been in that condition one way or the other, that I'm exaggerating to say you could just barely remember that you come out of it, And you really don't remember driving your car home. Ordinary people, I have also found out, uh, well, it's obvious. Ordinary people, when this happens to them, they don't even notice. Not these refined details. They'll know that they were mad. But ordinary people, it's just another example of the difference between them and people wired up to be interested in this kind of stuff is that they pay no particular interest in the fact that they can get so, their attention, their consciousness, be so limited by their reaction to some circumstance that they were almost in a hypnotic state. Or if you tried to say your consciousness had been greatly constricted, not theoretically, not philosophically, not metaphysically, your consciousness had been constricted down to actually a dangerous point that I bet right now, me talking to some ordinary person and me knowing some situation in which they had been involved. If I said, I'll bet you that you can't remember driving your car home from the shopping center after that incident. And I'm not getting to, you know, to think, of, you know, just think, yeah, yeah. And then if I looked at him like, don't you find that interesting? You don't know. You don't find it interesting that something can happen in your brain and your consciousness or you're not even aware of it. until I brought it up. If I said, well, you can barely remember driving home they go. Yeah, you're right. I was so mad. Now, when I forget the madness, do you realize that your consciousness of your surroundings, your awareness, the very thing that surely consciousness was meant for was to enhance our chances of survival? It's just another tool. That humans have to help them survive as opposed to claws and strength and speed. And you realize that that thing, that our greatest gift, because we're not the strongest and the fastest and et cetera, we simply have con- we can consciously think. And you realize that your reaction to that to someone's words, but anyway, your reaction to that unpleasant incident at the return counter, actually, physically, drew your consciousness up it was as though you know an eagle had retracted her claws or a lion you know somebody out hunting that they had purposely they had knowingly done something that harmed their chances of survival you realize uh you could have killed yourself driving home i mean if you don't remember driving home how's that different from being so intoxicated That you get up on a Sunday morning and you look at your car and it's parked sideways in the lawn and you go, my God. (laughs) And you remember getting drunk at a party. And last thing you remember, I don't know, it's like, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock and uh, somebody brought out the champagne or. And that's the last thing I remember. And you look around and nobody's in the house but you. So it's obvious. I drove my car home. I don't remember driving home. I don't remember anything since nine o'clock last night. All right, people understand the danger in that afterwards. But an ordinary person would not even see the danger if I said, you realize there was no difference between what you driving home? You know, ah, it's not the same thing. I wasn't drunk. I was just mad. They would, the point I'm trying to make is on their own, ordinary people, six billion people on this planet, never notice such as that. It's of no interest. They see no significance in it. I say the significance is, uh, based on my model I was trying to point out, we already know the significance, but I was trying to say that I can't believe that some of you would not find it to be of some practical use to realize that the variations, the intensity of, quote, being asleep, or the state of sleep, can be explained to to the degree, not just of your voice talking, the talking part of consciousness, because the talking part of consciousness, if somebody is, if it has gotten mad, then it's talking. It's repeating. It's, it's the talking part repeating the, the person is the account that said, you know, well, you'll die before you will get your way back from me, you ignorant son of a bitch. The talking part's repeating that. But the degree to which a person's asleep, the degree to which you are not as awake as you could be, the degree to which your awareness is actually stupefied. That you've dumbed yourself down is the degree to which your ear, to whatever degree, is fully taken up in its hearing ability by listening to its own counterpart in consciousness, rather than listening to external stimuli. Or in our case, listening to another part of our consciousness, of our brain that we're trying to put between the two, so to speak. But with ordinary people, well, you under ordinary conditions, all of us under ordinary conditions, you can say that everybody is taking a dose slightly unless you have reached some state of being permanently awake. The, the question is, in your head, in your brain, in what we call consciousness, the talking part is always going on. Let's take that as a given. It's always going on. As far as I can tell, that is simply the part of the basic construction of consciousness. And the idea of trying to stop thought seems more and more to me, as much as I struggle with it and had limited success, it seems to me to be an impossible task. I don't see the point in it anymore. I don't see that it's possible. I'm just, I, anyway, I don't see that that is literally possible. As far as I see, the conscious part of the brain, the talking part of the consciousness, will talk forever. I don't see that it can be shut off. I don't know that it should be shut off. I don't know that it would be proper if you could do it in some way. The degree to which you are asleep depends upon, if you picture consciousness, if I hadn't made it clear, picture consciousness, just the general cortical, frontal lobal frontal lobe. (laughs) Sounds good. It's like a Spanish singer. Frontal lobe. To that area of the brain is talking. So if you picture that like there's a little, there's a little lip sticking up over here on on, like your left lobe. And then over here on your right lobe is a little ear. Kind of like bas-relief coming out of your lobes. Just little, little, little lips coming out of one. And then just a little ear just kind of coming out of the other. The degree to which you're taking them out, or conversely, the degree to which you are alert and more conscious than the norm, depends upon to what degree this ear is giving all of its attention, all of its hearing over to just right across the brain, just a few millimeters away to the talking part of your own consciousness. Now, normally it is not totally taken up, and I don't know that it can be totally taken up. I was trying to give an extreme example like being so mad that you cannot remember driving home. That's getting close. But your ear of consciousness, the hearing part of consciousness, still, if you got home safely, to some degree was still hearing the outside world. And by hearing, you understand, it does not have to be just in the auditory sense. But it's the hearing part of consciousness was hearing traffic, was hearing traffic lights, was hearing what speed you were driving, it was hearing where to turn, when to move from one lane. It was not completely focused on, it was not completely captive of the talking part of its own location because they're both part of consciousness. They're not two separate things. Except, as I said, I have never seen anyone come up with us to see it this way. And I just can't believe it. They're part of the same process. It takes both of them to be conscious. But it varies as to how much your ear of consciousness is taken up or is devoting all of its attention to its own counterpart in consciousness, which is always talking. Talking. It can be more, and it can be less. Not only as neuropsychology, not only have I never seen anyone even get close to this, and it's just obvious as hell. When you see it, it's just, well, yeah. I mean, what, how, why did it take me 40 years to see it? And then you realize, well, if it makes you feel any better, there are people out there fighting for grants, people that studied for 20 years, years as they call it or at least they studied in college for 12 years now maybe they've been in research for another 20 studying questioning 10 hours a day people electrodes to their brains and they don't realize this and yet you see it and you think well how did i miss it and it varies your ear inside your own head seeing over here on the the little ear on the right lobe, the little lips on the left lobe, that ear, you can imagine it's sort of like a satellite dish. It can be turned, you know, head on to the ear or to the lips, or it can be turned slightly away. For me to picture really being fast asleep as much as possible, it's like the ear has been so seduced by the lips that in some way the ear has actually moved over there. I see it as almost an... And I must say an obscene love scene. And I really have no sense of obscenity. I don't know what, you know, sexually I don't know what you hey, can be obscene. And yet in this one way, to me it's almost obscene to see this ear. And remember, this is all in your head. It's not two people. It's not somebody doing you in. It's not some con man seducing you through mystical tales, is in your brain, one part of one process, or two parts of one process, two aspects. But I suddenly, I can see that the lips, the story becomes so seductive that the lips become the epitome of a Casanova. And it has drawn the ear, and the ear is now just like... And what those lips are saying is just suck the ear to the point that's going. You understand? It's caused the suction in the ear. Now the ear does, the ear does not exist in a sense as a separate entity anymore. It is what it's listening to. Now that is fast asleep. And people have been saying, "Yes, I'm asleep for four thousand years that we know of," and they know that they don't like the state. But why did no one, I just can't believe it. Why did no one, and that's not my only view, of course, i my only model, but that is still my best one. Is why and it's so good. Is why I've hesitated to highlight it. Because I thought, sure, if I really point this out, how good that is, how useful it is to these people, I'll bet you, while I'm sitting there, the next night it'll hit me, oh, well, now I see what the flaw is. Now I see why, I see what I overlooked. I see why that's not such a good model after all. I see why that is not the perfect, Country and Western song. I left out mother, prison, <laughs> pickup trucks. At any given time, when I say useful, I assume if you find this interesting, you would have done it on your own. But rather than just, well, damn, I'm asleep, or sort of inside my head slapping myself, like, well, snap out of it. You know, you're staring off into space, and God knows what you're thinking about. No longer important. You sh- all of you feel sure that point. Just think. Wait a minute. Let me see. What was I thinking about? What had me dozing off? What was I thinking about? Sex again? Was I thinking about revenge? Was I angry? What was it? The hell with it. The subject does not matter. If you keep thinking the subject matters, you're just playing a stalling game. You're just spinning your wheels. But at any rate, rather than even going, wow, I got to, I got to snap out of it. You know, even if you're, like, driving your car, it's like you have another set of hands up in your head, and they kind of slap your little, the cheeks of your consciousness, and you go, come on. Come on, Captain. You've got to fly this plane. The rest of the men are depending on you. Mm -hmm. Snap out of it. Yeah, you're tired. Yeah, you're wounded. I don't know what it is. You're dazed. A bullet creased your scalp. I got carried away thinking about those old black and white war movies. (laughs) the b-52 is out of control i guess he's got a piece of scrapnel hit his head or i don't know maybe just a shell hit the back of the plane and rocked him he bumped his head on up there on the canopy but now anyway you can see him he's beginning to get groggy And a sergeant runs up from the back of the plane with a brooklyn accent he shakes the captain he kind of slaps his face and Come on, sir, you've got to wake up. We're all depending on you. no one can fly this plane. You can see him fighting, trying to stay conscious, trying you know you know how you do when you're sleepy at night driving, you keep opening your eyes wider and wiggling your mouth. You know. Like I gotta snap out of it. All right, to me that's what goes on constantly in my own head. I just don't let it show because people driving by in traffic can get upset. But it's like in my head, it's me grabbing myself, Captain, you'll snap out of it, sir. We're depending on you. But see, rather than all that, now, I look at it, and all I can do is re- just repeat what I said, and I see this picture that I find so useful. Not just this, as I said, it's not just a model, it's a working model. And I see this scene, one side, and I'm going to say right and left, you know, the lips, I don't mean anything specific by that, being you people that, that's no veiled hint that I mean that one thing's going on the right side and the left. But I'm just saying that it's two areas separated some way in the brain, in consciousness, in the area, that one part's talking and one part's listening. That's what I mean by right and left and lips and ears. But I see this picture rather than just snap out of it, sir, and that, well, there I was asleep, and I wonder why and all that. I don't wonder why. There's no question why. My hearing part, the part that could have been doing something, because, see, based on this working model, you can forget. What, what ordinary people call thought or I'm going to stop thought or I'm going to straighten out my thought if I didn't have such, and then put in some modifier, if I didn't have such hostile thoughts, if I didn't have such fearful thoughts, then I would not be so asleep. If my thoughts were not so angry, all my life I've just been full of angry thoughts. If I could find out why or if I could stop them from being angry, then it'd be easier for me to awaken. That seems so delicious. That seems so attractive. It seems to be so proper, and it's nothing. It's a smoke screen. It's a stalling tactic. It's a misdirected, or an example of misdirected attention. Because if you can get your own view of what I'm describing, then in one real sense, you can forget. You can just turn loose of your concern about the talking part of consciousness. Because I was pointing out for the last year, so on and off, If you observe, you might as well turn loose of it. Because if you face the facts, if I say, well, how much effect have you had on stopping thought, suppressing thought? Only a liar will say, well, some. Oh, all right. (laughs) Only a liar, only an idiot liar would say, well, a good deal. (laughs) I guess maybe everybody would say a little. That's why I backed up, because you'd have to say a little or else you would have given up by now. So everybody would have to say, well, some, some. But if I said, well, a meaningful amount, then that's where we've got the cutoff line. Then you're going to start telling me the truth. Then you got to, to say, well, couldn't say meaningful. You know, I, wish, I wish you hadn't put it that way, but I can't really say meaningful. But notice I don't do it. I left it to you. I just said, look and see if I'm not correct. But for general purposes uh, find your own way with this I mean if you're if you believe that you're finding use and in, in another approach right now uh, don't give it up but from one quite real view if you can see it this way you can turn a loose you can turn loose of any concern about what the thoughts in your head are saying that is what the talking part of consciousness is saying is just well okay which I'm hinting, you might as well anyway. But I believe that's you. It's the kind of thing you have to decide for yourself, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> then you can turn your attention to the fact that, all right, from one view, everything that my brain normally talks about uh, is sleep talk, is dream talk, or to be more technical, it's bullshit. Left to its own devices, the thoughts that pop into my head have nothing whatsoever to do with waking up. Looked at another way, they simply serve no useful purpose. They're just there. It seems to be that the brain wants to keep consciousness running based upon the fact, as I pointed out before, it's like to me, it's just your your heart doesn't stop when you go to sleep at night. It's like the brain just keeps consciousness going. I don't know. It's like a, an engine that shouldn't be cut off. It just keeps going. How is to explain? Well, I know people try, but I was going to say, how is to explain dreams? How is to explain the fact that the mind simply does not shut down? You're asleep. You sure as I don't need to think. What the hell does this think about? I'm asleep. Well, <laughs> well, that's all you have to think about, and that's it. And, You wake up in the morning, you think, I'm awake. And then you think, all right, I'm awake. then you can go back to it. What what purpose is it serving? But, as I was getting to, it would appear from all, I mean, just look at it your own way, that evidently, well, obviously, the brain does not want to shut down consciousness, or life does not want us, our brains, to shut down consciousness. So it keeps talking. The way you hear it at night in dreams is distorted, which accounts for dreams, but it keeps talking. But back to in the daytime, under regular conditions. From one view, you can just relinquish all concern, all interest. You can just quit paying attention to what the conscious the talking part of consciousness is saying and turn all of your attention on the fact of how much of my hearing is being devoted to it. When I realize that Uh, I found that staggering, to exaggerate a little bit, maybe. But I just found that... No, I did. I found it almost staggering. Of course, I find many things staggering. That it doesn't matter. Because look at the... Well... Again, I'm not trying to close any doors of anything that you people are doing on your own or that you still find useful. But I found it totally staggering to realize that it takes two things to be asleep. It takes two things to be conscious. There's a voice in my head talking, and there's an ear in my head listening. And those two things are going on to be conscious. Those two things are going on for an ordinary person to say, well, I'm thinking. Or if you ask them, do you think? They go, yes. They go, do you know what I mean when I ask, do you you think? They go, sure I do. Now, say, so I'm, you know for a fact, we're talking about the same thing, that you think. Well, yeah, I think. That's all they're describing, is that the ear of consciousness, the hearing part of consciousness, is listening to the talking part of consciousness. Because they don't think. There is no they there. As I just got through earlier, all of you people surely, I and mean, that's clear as hell, there is no they in you, there is no you in you that decides, I will think. It just happens. It just goes on. But there's two things going on. That's why people, part of the illusion of saying that I think. I skipped over that to start with. But no one ever stops and questions that. When they say, I think. And surely an ordinary sane person, if they would put up with it for a minute, if I said, well, wait a minute, let's examine that. When you say that you think... uh, all right, can you tell me what thought you just had just then? And they might go, well, I was just thinking, I was wondering why you were asking do I think when it's, I thought, well, everybody thinks, and I was wondering what are you getting at? And I went, okay. So that was, let's assume that you're telling this, that's an accurate description of what you were just thinking when I said, all right, what were you just thinking? And he goes, okay. And I go, well, when did you decide to think that? What was the process that went behind? Because I had just asked you, are you sure that you know what I mean by thinking? And you said that immediately, you know, I saw, what were you thinking when I said that? And you went, well, I was thinking, I wonder why he's asking that. I mean, it seems to be a silly question. It must be some other reason. Now, well, can you tell me then, if you are that astute, if you can look in your own head and tell what's going on, can you describe to me just what was going on, the process that went on for you to decide to think that? You could have thought almost anything else in the world, right? They go, yeah. I go, well, why did you think that one thought? Can you just describe to me, you know, the the kind of process? You know, you must have had some sort of, I don't know, like meeting with yourself or your thinking process must have thought, well, is, you know, maybe had some kind of little round table discussion. Like, all right, is, is that question worthy of us thinking or should we be thinking about what we'll have for dinner tonight or should we be thinking about, you know, the these terrific sways and the, the ups and downs and the Dow Jones of late, you know, should we be thinking about moving our portfolios out of common stock? Can you just describe to me what went on that you, how you came to the decision? All right, I'll think that thought next. Now, you know, well, I'll leave it to you. What would that get me with an ordinary person? Besides a dirty look. Nothing. <laughs> Of course, I can say if we lived in a better universe, I could ask everybody in the world that question and they would suddenly wake up, right? It is ridiculous. It will not uphold, it will not withstand just perfunctory investigation. Just for a brief moment, you can't say, I think. And everybody in the world does. And just those two words, I think. It's an illusion. All you got to do is look and there's obviously something going on. But that description is just, it's incorrect. There's no need to call anything else. It is just on its face. Just at a brief observation. If you just investigate it, think about it for a second. It is totally erroneous. I think. No. I know what I mean by that. And I know what thoughts are, these words and pictures. But to say, I think, uh-uh. I can't say that. But if you can picture, if you get your own view of what I'm saying, that there is a talking part of consciousness and a listening part, in other words, there seem to be two things. They're part of the same process, but there is one thing, and then there's this other thing. I say to you that that is the physical, that is the actual basis for the illusion that we think, that for a man to say, I think. Because he's he is saying, you know, just those two words, he's identifying two different things. I am the possessor or the creator of these things. I think. And that's not what's happening. You can remove yourself. If you can see it this way, you can remove yourself part. You can remove the talking part of consciousness from being a useful part of your struggle of your investigation, that it's just going on, and you can devote your attention to, and just doing it this way, I found helpful to start with, a lot and more effort, of just having this picture in mind, and being able to see, what's going on in this view, and just, I turned my attention, so to speak, inside my head, to the ear, and just doing that, interfered with the process, it helped me stay awake, it helped keeping me, from going to sleep, to the same degree, just looking at, in my head, just sort of turning my attention to the ear. I can start making up little things now. You know, like, I turn my little, my attention to my little ear. Kind of looking at it like, are you falling for all that shit that the lips are doing? Are we going, are you going for that? Were you just that captivated by that old, that old story? And it's like I could almost shame my ear. that would almost kind of turn red and got. Yeah, you're right. I went, wait a minute. You were being seduced or you were getting all, you were listening that intently to what the lips just said? And I'd picture my ear doing just like I was since I am my ear. But my ear realizing what I was pointing to that what the lips were just saying was some comment that it's made what now? Me and the ear don't keep, we don't care a calculator, but a mental pedometer. But how many times have the lips said that? What, a million? And there you were, just kind of drifting over. I mean, it's like this Tango Palace Lothario, this 'er ne'er-do-well with his hair slicked back and a pencil-thin mustache, saying, come here, my little sweet one. How many times has he done that to you? Only to let you down. Only to disappoint you. Only to turn out worse than that. Turn out to be impotent. He seduces you like, come to me, we'll fly away, we'll have a night of unbelievable passion. And what do you get? Nothing. And the ear kind of looks embarrassed like, geez, you're right. I knew that. That's what I mean about it. I sort of irritated myself. I still think maybe I should write a book. How to irritate yourself into higher states of consciousness. <laughs> Not to annoy yourself into enlightenment. I found it, and I still do, I find it useful. And I have my own pictures. I just, that was just one I just tried. You know, I never tried to describe this to anybody but you people. And what I was going to point out the other night, I, I didn't get into about words and how they trigger pictures. They're not just film clips, some of them like this. I have pictures that are useful to me, and they're so quick and so vague and so inspecific, I can't describe them to you. I just made that up on the spot, this thing about embarrassing the air. It fits my experience, but I never thought about it that way, but it literally fits. But just the picture of one part of my consciousness, one half of my consciousness being that misused, and by misused, I mean put to sleep. To me, that's the only misuse that you, you know, that's possible. That's the only ill or the only problem in life to me is not being, is being less conscious than I could be. And so I just picture it up there. Again, not just a model, not just a theory, but based upon my own observation, is why I call it a working model. As I was not asleep for some reason. I was not asleep because of the thought that was going on. The thought, which is the talking part of consciousness, was really immaterial. The question, the situation is, I was listening to it. The one side of my brain was talking, and the other side was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. For no good reason. Me and that side of my brain both know you've been taken. It's nothing. you got no business. There's no, nothing there. Why are you listening? What's the intrigue? Why are you doing it? And, of course, by asking that question, the answer is obvious. And so by saying, why are you doing it, what you're saying is, in essence, I was going to say you're saying don't do it, but you don't even have to say it. You just ask your ear. That's why I said I can picture it turning red. It's like all you gotta do is realize you're asleep and you're awake. That's where that comes from. Are you asleep? Oh, I wasn't until you asked me. Well, aren't we all? Well, yeah, until you said that. What? A, right, quick! I can't resist pointing out because I have found this useful. <coughs> and I was going to say it's very difficult to talk about and you'll see why as soon as i try to talk about it everybody seems to understand and to see for yourself what i meant about pictures being triggered in your head by words that is the listening part Hear somebody talk and, and the words even if it's another person talking nobody else can kind you nobody else is doing you in nobody else is misleading your thoughts and running your mind in circles or leading your consciousness astray what they say must trigger appropriate or appropriate pictures and words must be triggered in your brain for you to be entangled with it for you to become engrossed with it for you to be affected by it so everybody understands the other night when I was doing my commonly used one if I say or somebody's describing a Summer after spring afternoon in a sidewalk cafe in Budapest, or in Buda. They have now split the city again, if you don't know. It's always been Buda and Pest, if you didn't know. But back when it was in the olden days, in the olden contemporary days, they changed it to Budapest. But now, they're chauvinistic, parochial sensibilities are taken back over and now they're back to living the buddhas and buddhas and the pest and pest which i assume i've always just assumed that in hungarian that last word does not mean what it does to us because you know who would want to be say are you a pest or a buddha i'm a pest or people who live in buddha perhaps some of the neighbors say you know what I hate to tell you this, but you'd be better off moving across the bridge. I think you'd be more at home over with a pest. Hmm, I wonder why they said that. Somebody mentions a spring afternoon at a sidewalk cafe in Paris. And pictures are triggered. i I'll leave it to you. It's got to vary from person to person. But just maybe it's just split seconds of something. You may not know for sure what. I said it very likely came from a movie. And it's likely that you don't even remember the stars or what it was. It's just there's somewhere in your memory bank. Dig it. Some way that makes holograms, I guess, look childish. It makes computers. It makes everything look childish. That in the electrochemical soup in our brain that you've seen movies are just a damn brain there, this soggy mess. In there, that son of a bitch has filed, and there's no place to do it. It has filed movie scenes. It has filed film strips that it can pull out. I guess we can say digitally they're filed. I guess that makes as much sense nowadays as anything. They are filed chemically. There is some code. There is some form of information coding and filing and retrieval that makes everything that we do outside ourselves look pitiful. But at any rate... You hear the words, Paris, right away, the Eiffel Tower, maybe. Just just quick scene just that you've maybe seen over and over, still a photograph, maybe, or part of a film from a movie of looking through some arches off, just like four or five miles from the Eiffel Tower, kind of looking up. And I say, Paris, Eiffel Tower, so in a sidewalk cafe, anybody see that? And I say, i met this... It was one of the great love affairs, just a couple of, but this, anyway, this beautiful girl that I met. And you just suddenly see from somewhere a guy walking up to a table just right quick. And, you know, maybe you're still listening to the person talk, but you know it was part of a movie or you can hear him talking. And it's like he's saying, can I sit here? And he goes, and she goes, yes, smiles. And you see all that love affair. I mean, it is all covered Paris spring cafe love affair. And the guy is still talking. He says, but then something sad happened. And so you leave that and you're waiting to hear what the sadness is. They said, "All all right. All of that. Everybody seems to not along. There is more that goes on that I've never tried to describe. And I still enjoy doing this myself. Figure this out or picture it for yourself. That's not all that happens. Because it seems to me. I still challenge you people because I I still keep looking for exceptions to this. It seems to me, from all my experience of doing this, I can't find any way to say that thoughts go on in your mind without pictures. That all words have some visual or some iconoclastic counterpart. But, think about this. Try to not think about it. Can't believe I said that. Work on this. Investigate this. There are other words that go on all the time that there is no there's nothing resembling a film clip available. Not just available, it's just not possible. How about this? Somebody's talking, I'm gonna be talking, and I go, Well, I can remember it had a real impact on me. Uh, the first time I ever read The Fountainhead, the novel. And you have a picture. But of what? It's my guess, my challenge, that not one person in here, and if it wasn't that book, if I said the first time I ever read Hamlet, the first time I ever read, that I seriously sat down on my own and read Shakespeare. I never forget, I sat there for four hours. And I say Shakespeare, because that might be, you might get a picture of Shakespeare. What I was really getting at is I was trying to pick out some book that you wouldn't know the author if I said, or when I read uh, Dante's Inferno, and in your head it clicks. But what the hell did you see? Do you actually remember a cover from Dante's Inferno or The Fountainhead or even Shakespeare's Folio? And if I'm not picking the right example, uh, don't weasel, don't let your mind weasel out. I'm saying that the thing's going all the time that there are no comparable pictures for. I just thought maybe a book would be it. But how about emotions, feelings, attitudes? And somebody would go, well, you know what it is. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can be stingy in your praise of people, and other times you can be magnanimous. And you go, yeah. What kind of picture is magnanimous? Or are stingy. Well, you, know, you know how some people can be just, I don't know, they'll be stingy with their praise. I mean, when you've done something good, you know, when you've helped them do something, and you know, we their own children. I'm just, they're stingy with their praise. You go, yeah. Back to what you may not even be up to this point yet. I'm challenging you. I say that no thought happens, that is no word that you hear from somebody else or read, has any real meaning for you or the sentence, but even I can break it down to words, leaving out articles and prepositions. I save those for myself. Oh, now I mentioned it. If you're the one of a hobby, what do you picture when you hear of? Well, back to where I was, you've got to come up to this point because I challenge you with this. I still find this slippery. I'm saying, I still keep looking for a chink somewhere. So I give it to you as a challenge. Or join me. As far as I can tell, and you know what an extensive, well, don't let me influence. As far as I can tell, through my investigation, I have yet to find any example, any view from which I can see thought taking place in my brain that there are not corresponding pictures, but they're not always as clear-cut is just that brief little movie clip with Eiffel Tower. or If not a movie clip, just a still photograph. Of course, you don't know it could be from a movie. But the point is, it just goes like that. I'm saying, let me tell you what happened to me last time I was in Paris. And you just right quick see that. And I go, out a sidewalk cafe. And that goes to the sidewalk cafe. And if I slowed down a second or if I went, if I got a little more detail, like I was in a sidewalk cafe, but I met this girl. Then you had time in a film clip. What is it? We're talking about milliseconds. But enough that you've got this scene of like a guy somewhere, some version of, hello, this girl, this girl walks by the table and she says, may I sit here? They just go, bam, it's gone, and then we're on to something else. I challenge you. Find example. Tell me if I'm correct or not. Tell me if it's just me. Tell me that you found exceptions to it, that everything that you would consider to be a thought, just a thought, sidewalk cafe, I had a thought. There's a there's a corresponding, and I said picture, that's also why I threw in a few minutes ago an iconoclastic image because for me to think about, for, for me, if I was reading about someone saying uh, how important it is, can you remember the first time you read a, that you discovered a book of Zen writings? And I just immediately, I'm reading, I agree, yes. Well, wait a minute. Something, and I've, I've done it enough, I know that something happened resembling a picture in my mind. When it went, if I was reading or somebody said, I can still remember. that It just, it took my breath away. I was so delighted. I was amazed. The first time I found, just accidentally, I picked up a book. Didn't know what, never seen the word, but it turned out to be a book of Zen writings from about the 14th century. And in my head, when I heard that, and I'm agreeing, yeah, I know what you mean. You know what, I agreed with his opinion, but he says a Zen book and how impressive it was. There was a flash of something, and it took me many times, a long time. And I realized there is some, there's, you know what, an icon. Well, sure, not you people. That's one of the common terms of computers, I forgot. But an icon can just be a symbol. It can be an abstraction. Like in Islam, if you don't know, in orthodox Islam, if there's any other form, as if there was, but in Islam, uh, graven images, as they're called, are forbidden. That's why that's where all that great tile work came. Uh, is there's never a representation, not of Muhammad, not of a cross, not of a, anything, and so it's all abstractions. But they're still, but they become icons, the abstractions themselves. But you look at it and it means nothing unless you have already. Some group of people decide, well, when tiles laid out in these colors together, that represents love. When you've got a lot of dark blues and gold tiles, and if they wrap around each other in swirls, we've decided that represents the love of Allah for humanity or some shit. So it becomes an icon, and yet you look at it, and it means nothing. All right, I hear a Zen book, and I, it took me, I had to go on and on, and I realized I am not seeing a book, but by God, I am seeing something. The talking part of my mind triggers in the hearing part, and it flashes, and I still don't know what it is. Now, I tend sometimes to go, well, I, I just picture a book. And then I wonder, well, after all this study, am I merely suggesting to myself that's what it is? But I know this. It's like a flash in my brain. It's, I, it's the only way I know to try to tell you. Do it yourself. I mean, it's there. You hear Somebody talk about it, they talk about being stingy with your emotions, yeah? There is a flash of something. That is not just sounds, because words do not mean anything. Words are sounds that refer to something else. And they refer to something else that people have experienced. And so there is a picture of it. There is an icon. There is an image of what words point to. Because words mean nothing. Words are a sign. Words are a finger that says, look over here. A lot of people that don't have an ear for music, I've pointed this out about art before, about painting, but people that do not have a natural ear for music, and there are plenty of them, they'll say, what the hell does it mean? And if you like music, leaving out the words, that have some story, but if somebody just says, how can you listen to symphonic music? Or how do you listen to music? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. And that's what those people that don't enjoy music Because sound, in words, nobody analyzes this, but it just struck me, is words do not mean anything. For a word to mean something, it always refers to it out of itself. Words is the only thing in the universe, anything that we know of. It's our invention, but words are a thing. They make a sound, they'll get your attention. Somebody goes, hey, let me tell you something. You go, okay. And they tell you something, but the words they tell you mean nothing. The words don't mean, the words don't point to themselves. The words are sounds that point somewhere else. Which is a whole other story if you think, when did we ever do that? Why didn't we just go directly to wherever the, wherever else is? But back to this. So I have found, and I challenge you, that if I stop and consider anything I just heard, and I yeah, I know what it was. No, you know, you don't stop and analyze, but if I think, well, that sentence I just read right then, did something happen in my mind when I read that sentence? First time I found a Zen book, the first experience. And I, yeah. And I think, do I remember the first Zen book I ever read? No. Do I have a picture of a particular Zen book? No. Is there some Zen person that I know? Like, like I said, uh, when I pull out Shakespeare, we all probably have an image of one of those two engravings of Shakespeare that you can hear. First time I discovered Shakespeare's works, if nothing else, you get that little flash of that image like the, or like the one that Calvin's put on the, uh, my website. And you have that little image. But if you get to something, I, I, don't, I can't picture a Zen. Anyway, and yet something, I, I challenge you again, something will flash in your mind. You'll know what I'm talking about if you start looking. If you stop and think, well, was there a picture of some kind triggered by that thought that I just had, my reaction to what I just read or heard, and something goes on. It has well, it goes on. And I look at it in retrospect, and I realize, well, it had to. Because words do not mean anything. Words are not, they don't mean themselves. That's not the point of a word. The word is to point you to something else. Not the word, the sound is not to go, hey, look at me, I mean something. The sound is to say, look over there. Like I said, that's a whole other story I have found interesting. There is nothing to compare with that in life. That is, a thing exists and it makes noise. It creates attention and yet there's nothing there. In other words, it creates attention so that you look and it points somewhere else. That's all it is. There's nothing there. There's the noise, there's the attention getter. It is a medium, but not of information, other than to point you somewhere. That is somewhere else, not in itself. So, as I said, after the fact, after I was aware that there were some sort of iconoclastic images, something, there's a flash going on. There's something replacing the, when the film strip is not available. When you do not have a picture, the first time I read a Zen book, or you don't have a picture that goes along with you with emotions, I'm telling you, if you look, there is something that is the same thing. You can tell. Because back to what I was comparing it to, everyone seems to, or no one seems to have any trouble when I say there is a scene going on in your head. Or if I talk about how exciting it was, did you see the final game of the World Series? And you go, no. But already you see a baseball flash. And I go, God, that was the most exciting ninth inning I have ever seen to a game in my life. If you're interested enough that you actually listen to the person, you got some interest in baseball. And you go, I missed it. you go, last night, the final inning. You just, But already there's been flashes. God knows what. But you know, so flash, maybe you don't even know what. It's just a flash, just a sudden thing of a scene of a part of a ball field. Just There's something always there if you stop and you, for the moment and look at what was going on. There was a flash of something. Alright, everybody understands that. The part that is tricky is what I'm saying is the ones that there. If you look, you won't find an image, let's say, of stingy with emotions, or even first, Zen book I ever read. But if you look, there is something, and you can feel it. If you, you're aware of it. You'll know what I mean. If you keep looking, it is the same thing as the flash of the football field or the baseball field or the sidewalk cafe, except it's not that, literally. But you can feel it's like a pulsation going in the brain. That's what I mean by flash. Something goes along with that thought of stingy with emotion. Yeah, 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 I know. There's a flash of something. I find that truly I don't... That is amazing. That has intrigued me. I've been wanting to bring it up to you guys. This is kind of just... I find it interesting and... I find it all useful. I don't know whether you'll find it that useful yet. But that is amazing. To me. Well, interesting. It's not amazing. Fantastic! Mm-hmm. I'm having pictures in my head... And I know damn well as far as I'm concerned... Somebody says, you with emotions... Or the excitement of reading the first collection of Zen writings. And I even understand that. But if you said, how? Do you remember the first time? No. Would you have a picture of you being excited? Uh, I don't have... I can't tell you I've got a picture of anything. But I know this, there is something resembling a picture. There's something taking the place of a picture. Like the picture of a ball field, the picture of a sidewalk cafe in Paris... There is something going on in my brain. It's obvious. I mean, there's no doubt. And I don't know what to call it. That's why I said well, this was really hard to talk about. Because I'm talking about something that I can't even picture in my own brain. But it's as though there is a flash, instead of that being a film clip, of me actually seeing a man in a cafe. Or me actually seeing a ball field just for a second. There's just a poof. There is a like a jolt. There's like a jolt of... Information. There's some sort of data. And it's where the picture should be. I just can't say what the picture is. And I haven't given up. I got a feeling this one will last me to doomsday. Because I'm not sure the cells know. I shouldn't even say that. God knows what they know. Those little rascals. I will arbitrarily stop here. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at JanCox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.